Well, this is it, Rock. The season right here on this fourth down play. How many times have we said that on this drive? Rodgers in the shotgun. Three receivers left, one to the right. Packers need at least seven yards to move the chains. Rodgers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles He's left, winds up. He's got Cobb at the 10 to the five. Yes! To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Oh, my goodness. An NFC North Division championship dagger of 47 yards. Kick is in the air. Bill Reith will have an opportunity. He'll catch at the three. Between the hash marks, 10. Slicing left, 15. Across the 20. 25-30. Bill Reith to the 40. He's to the 50. Foot race to the house. At the 30. At the 20. 10. 5. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. He's Welcome in, everybody. We are... Finally back after a, another two-week hiatus to two-hand touch. This is episode nine. Going to be out on the Friday before Black Friday. And before we even talk any sports, right now the Colts and Texas game is Texans game is on Fox. And Jake, I don't know if you've seen the commercials for the show nine one one. But it looks like one of the it looks like one of the worst shows ever fucking made. The oh god, acting looks stiff as hell. The plot looks awful. Next week's finale, apparently, a very radioactive truck crashes under a bridge, and one of the guys said, "quote It's gonna turn into Chernobyl down here." So. <laughs> Um, if you want to watch that show uh, I don't know when the season finale is but that could also be the series finale Uh, so tune into that and the sad part is is there's like three or four actors in it I recognize after that that lovely preview you gave I'm ready to roll I might have to be tuning in next week I almost want to tune in like just to see if it's as bad as I think it is but Whatever. So, back to sports. We have, luckily the Packers had a bye week last week, so we really only have to talk about their game against the Panthers two weeks ago. Yep. And then preview their the arguably the biggest regular season game of the year so far, where the Packers are going to visit the Niners on NBC. How, how, how many years would you say it's been for the Packers to have a regular season game this big? Three years, please. Oh man, I'm trying to think. I mean, it it would have had to been like 2014, but I don't really remember their late season schedule. Yeah, because I mean, 2014 just... they were 12 and four. Um, and that was the year that I mean that was the year they played Seattle week one after Seattle won the Super Bowl. So yeah, I I mean I don't as far as the regular season game goes. I mean, you very rarely, 10, 11 weeks in, get two teams with these good, with these good of records playing against each other. And the 49ers are going to do it again in two weeks because I think in two weeks they play at the Saints. Yeah. So, and they play Love at it. the Ravens. And they play at the Ravens. 49ers got a bunch of games left. But let's go back two Sundays ago, 325, Lambeau Field, first snow game of the year. 
Christian McCaffrey comes into town. You were there, Jake. Kyle Allen comes in. This was uh, before when everyone was sucking on Kyle Allen's little Texas dick, saying he's the (laughs) next best thing. Uh, And I believe I said in our podcast before that game, I don't think he's any good. He lights it up against the Packers. He looks pretty damn good. And then he sucked the past two weeks, and now everyone's like, oh, maybe he's not that good. And it's like, uh, no, you you judged him after like seven games. But Packers win, goal line stand, one of the best games of the year, just football in general for NFL. Jake, you were there. What was the atmosphere like? If you remember from all the drinking you did that weekend. Ryan, it was just as you had pictured it before – the Sunday you began in the podcast, you were saying, oh, potential for first no game of the pa- of the Packers. I remember I texted you earlier in the game because the forecast had shifted that we weren't going to get any snow. I was very bummed out, and it was it was just magical. But it was one of those games where it seemed like after the Packers scored uh, right away in that second half and kind of you know pushed the cushion that it was a game the Packers were going to easily win, but it uh, the Panthers just hung around. Oh, for the whole game, or obviously all the way to the end. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Kyle Allen. He played really well, um, and it did. It felt at the end of the first half here because we want to talk about, you know, should do we agree with Lafleur's decision to go for the touchdown or take the three at half? Um, that felt eerily like the Oakland game, where the Packers, yes. you know, it was a close game, and then Packers. Scored touchdown at the end of the first half, get the ball in the second half, scored another touchdown. All of a sudden, a uh, tie game turns into a two-score game. And the reason why I like him going for the touchdown there is because the Packers got the ball right away at half. I think if the Packers are kicking off to the Panthers to start the second half, you take the points. Yeah, I think it was kind of – I heard some arguments both ways saying, like, because you know you're getting the pat the ball back, hey, take the three now, and then you can try to compound it to 10. But also doesn't help when, I know Bakhtiari looked like he just completely whiffed his block, but that was probably the worst blocked goal line play of the NFL season. I mean, I don't even think we handed it off and we, the guy was tackled. No, Gerald McCoy blew through that. I mean, if you want to criticize the play call, I'm all for that. Yeah, I think that's just such a bland play call there. Because mm. I've... I'm remembering correctly. I think the Packers tried to run it twice up the middle, two plays before that. Um, and I mean, like offensively, the Packers, they're their red zone specifically, like inside, like the seven yard line offense, could do a lot better. Because like the end of the Eagles game, what were we on, like the eight yard line, something like that. Yep. Um, I think there was another game where we try, where we were inside the five and we threw the ball four times in a row instead of running it. Um, so that's offense we got to work on, but I totally agree going for the touchdown, but I also get, I criticize the play call. I would have liked to see something different. Yeah. Little, little, yeah. some action, little wiggle to it. Yeah. You know, maybe spread them out and try to run it or, you know, do some mm-hmm. kind of bootleg, get a little bit more creative and rather just, you know, they basically just try to say, Hey, you know, smash mouth football. I get it. I just want a different play call. I don't like the play call. I liked him going for it. I like the nuts that LaFleur had, and I think, I think you know, 10 times out of 10, I think LaFleur is going to do that again if that situation would come up. Yeah, sticking with the offense, had the two 
essentially the big three for the Packers, the two Aarons and Devante, all three had some pretty solid games against the Packers with Aaron Jones had all three of the touchdowns for us. Uh, but Devontae, 100, 118 yards, so it was great to see him get going. He was all, From watching the stands, he seemed like he was open just about every damn play. He just kept hitting him. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to see our boy Devontae get, get a little tutty for his, his efforts at some point this year. You know, it's going to come, but he he does get a lot of, you know, he's the guy who got a lot of the red zone touchdowns in the past or inside that, like, 20, 25 yards. And... He's just not getting them because we're handing the ball off at the ten yard line. And Aaron Jones is punching it in. Got it. That's, that's a valid point. Yeah, I mean, you obviously have the change of philosophy too, where Lafleur is going to run the ball more in that area than McCarthy did. But mm-hmm. Adams will come. He'll have his. Uh, he'll have his flurry. Like I, it would not surprise me if he ended the season with five or six touchdowns. Yeah, and they got what six? We got six games ago. I could totally see him having a having a game where he gets like three or something, especially yep. with like the Giants and Redskins coming up. So they'll come, but when Aaron Jones is, you know, last two years we're handing the ball off at the seven yard line and getting stuffed, and this year offensive line is doing great, big holes. Jones is mm-hmm. finding his way in. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna complain about it. Yeah, I'm right with you. I will say, which I thought was even more impressive with Kyle Allen down the stretch, with how hard it was snowing that fourth quarter, I don't know how anyone could complete a pass. I could hardly see the field from the stands. So I don't even know if you're dropping back, throwing the ball farther than 10, 10 yards downfield, how the hell you can even see where you're throwing the ball. But that's what I was even more impressed with. I know we, the Packers, kind of you know, were more trying to chew up the clock at the end of the game, but that's where Kyle Allen really impressed me, given the, the weather circumstances of – just moving the ball down the field, I think maybe some of those passes had a little bit of luck, just launching them in there, and it seemed like it would just drop in in between three defenders. But, but yeah, yeah, there was that one um, fourth down, I think uh, on the Packers side of the field. I think he played like DJ Moore or somebody, and yep. Kevin King was on him, and it felt like he just like floated that ball. But oh, I know. Kind of, but then that's the kind of thing where it's like the offensive guy knows where he's going in like those kind of field conditions. So he's such a big advantage against the defense guy who's just trying to quickly react and make moves. So mm-hmm. it's a little combination. But, but yeah, I was definitely impressed by him. I was like, yeah. I was like, whoa, he actually, I might have to eat my words. He might actually be the real deal. And then, well, you know, the last two games happened. So yeah, that's a fair point. Nah. How, how how's the after seeing that? And I know we had the bye week. Hopefully, maybe got a few few folks healthy. But what how's the confidence level with the Ben don't break Packer defense we got going for us so far this year, Ryan? Every week, I get more and more worried about it, and then every week they somehow don't allow people to score once they get in the red zone. I don't. I don't understand how they can't play better between the 20s like they do inside of the 20 because I think the Packers have a very highly ranked red zone defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not a thing where it's injuries. They're pretty solid, you know, everywhere. I think most Packer fans would agree we could use a little bit more of a playmaker at inside linebacker. 
and mm-hmm. we could probably use another defense alignment that creates a little bit more clogs clogs some running holes more but it's like i feel like we have all the pieces there to at least be like a top 15 defense but they just don't perform yeah since i had to make the miserable drive all the way from green bay down to iowa after the game that was miserable i uh even thought about because they were talking about that a little bit on the Packer like post game radio, and I almost called in Ryan. I almost actually did because I wanted to hear. I heard someone mention that they didn't think Blake Martinez had another game where he got pretty poor rating from a, a defensive player standpoint. So I think if somehow you can get Martinez to play like I don't know a top twenty five linebacker the last six game stretch, I don't think that's Middle linebacker, I should say. I don't know if that's too much to try and ask for, but I think you can try to. I don't know if he's hurt or banged up. I know he was wearing a sleeve earlier in the year, like a shoulder thing. But if you can just get his play to step up in the middle a little bit, I think that would go a long way. Yeah, I mean he's getting tons of tons and tons of tackles, but when they're three yards downfield, you know. Who gives a shit? You you would like to see you know him or BJ Goodson make more plays in the backfield. I think that's what people are looking for. Um, you know Kenny Clark really stepped up against the Panthers. I think he heard a lot of people chirping at him for kind of disappearing the past couple games. But I think those those defense line like Montrevious Adams, Lancaster, Lowry, mm-hmm. they really got to make their presence felt in the. Uh, in the old second half or post bye week season here, uh, especially against the 49ers. Yep. Because I don't know if we just want to move on to that game, if you got anything else on the Panthers at all. No, I was just going to say kind of on that defensive comments, I think, you know, everyone saw the Packers move, uh, moves with signing the Smith bros that I think it was thought that our sacks would definitely go up, but, you know, it's a Archer, Mike Daniels, and, you know, some other things with, I know some people had some questions on Preston Smith's ability to stop the run, and I think we're kind of seeing that play out so far this year. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like I just said, it's one of those things where you, you look at their team on paper and you're like, all right, they got, they got talent everywhere. They got, they got solid guys, but they just need, they just need an extra piece or two. I mean, I, I trust that Petten can you know, scheme scheme the defense a lot better here mm-hmm. close by. I mean, look, if the Falcons can fucking completely turn around their defense, I think the Packers should be able to do that too. Yep. So, I mean, not as drastically as the Falcons have done, obviously, but um, I'm looking forward to getting better, and they got a couple, as people would say, they got a couple get-right games here. Mm-hmm. Um, af- I mean, listen, after the Niners, you're getting the Giants – the Redskins and the Bears. You're getting three pretty fucking bad offenses. And I understand if the Packers defense plays great in those games, people will just say, well, look at the offenses, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to go, well, hey, it's building confidence is what it's doing. And then hopefully that confidence leads into the Vikings game and then into the playoffs and so on and so on. So, um, But their first big test here is going to be Sunday night. As we mentioned before, they're playing at the Niners. Packers are currently three-point dogs. I'm guessing it's going to stay there. Yeah, uh, so essentially a pick them. Pretty much, yep, yep. Well, three points the for the Niners. home team. Yep. Uh, this was a, 
uh, 3.30 kick game for us in the central time zone. Got flexed smartly. Don't want to see the Seahawks beat on the Eagles, I guess. So this is this game, both sides of the ball. For me, I think both defensive lines are going to get pressure on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think this game comes down to running the ball. The Niners love to run the ball. Shanahan's got the most crazy, weird, exotic, you know, blocking schemes in the NFL. Uh, the Packers, obviously, LaFleur wants to run the ball with Jones and Williams. Whatever team here runs the ball the best uh, is going to win this game. And yep. by best, I mean the Packers might have 190 yards rushing and the Niners might have 181 yards rushing. Yeah, no, totally. I think if you kind of mirror, like you said, the two obviously with uh, LaFleur being with Shanahan throughout his career that, you know, a lot of comparisons with the styles the two coaches have. But I think if you look at the Niners, as you mentioned with the run game, and then they get a lot of explosive plays out of their tight end play. Uh, I don't, I think I saw a couple articles, but who even are the Niners' top wide receivers? I don't even know if I can name one. Well, Emmanuel Sanders, who they traded yep. for, but I don't know. He's questionable. Yep. Uh, then Debo, Debo Samuel, who's a rookie from South Carolina. Yeah, he's been playing really well. He's also questionable, but I think he's definitely going to play. Um, yeah. After that, then you have, I think his name's Kendrick Bourne. Uh, you have Dante Pettis, who was supposed to be the guy that made the big jump in his second year, but he did not. And then you have uh, uh, Godwin. No, Goodwin. Yep. Goodwin. Goodwin. Yep. Goodwin, who's kind of the speed guy, but he's getting rarely used. I mean, the Niners are a team that really use. George Kittle is also questionable. We'll see if he plays. Yeah. But um, they're going to use their tight end a lot. They're going to use both their running backs, Burita, uh mm-hmm. Coleman. Even Mostert in the in the past game, they also use Kyle Juszczyk, who's probably the best fullback in the league. They use him in a ton of different ways. So mm-hmm. um, they are very similar to the Packers in that people were complaining about, you know, receivers aren't catching the ball enough, blah, blah, blah. What are we going to do? It's like we're still putting up 30 points a game. And the 49ers yep. are kind of similar in that. So Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was kind of similar that they had, you know, maybe some more of their play. They've had, you know, some – spread it out with the wide receiver, but it seemed like a lot of explosive from the run and tight end position with them where, you know, Packers has been all running and then just Devante. So I think maybe if both teams are going to be able to run the ball and have success there, it's who can limit the, you know, the other explosive option from from the other part of the team's success. And great great research, Ryan, uh, ahead of time on the, the Niners wide receivers. Hey, you know, it just – that's that's what I do, Jake. I just research all day at work about the Packers' upcoming opponents. You know, that's using th- that's using the bye week appropriately. Yes, exactly. Um, I was going to say, you know, how much the Niners and Packers want to run the ball. This could be like a sneaky, quick game. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Just keep no, going the, the ball? Yeah. Might be good for the East Coast viewers. Yeah, I would hate to live on the East Coast for this shit. So, um, let's talk Niners on defense. So, first five or six games of the year. Well, no way. They were, what, 7-0 seven, seven and oh before they played Arizona, I think? Mm-hmm. They were, like, 
the best defense in the league. They were getting after the quarterback. You couldn't run on him. You could pass on him. And then all of a sudden they play Kyler Murray, and he runs all over, throws all over him. He's done that twice now. Russell Wilson did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now the Niners' defense really isn't looked at the same. So it's those mobile quarterbacks that are really giving the Niners problems. And Rodgers obviously isn't nearly like Wilson or Murray, but he no. can still be mobile, and he's definitely a better thrower than both those guys. So um, the offense line is going to have their hands full. That's going to oh, be yeah. the thing. I would expect, we already talked about running, but I would expect a lot of quick passes, a lot of dump-offs on screen to try to slow those guys up. So it's going to be a very, very good test for the Packers. Yeah. And huge game for the Packers oh, losing game. They're not going to get the number one seed. No. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy impl- implications from just, and if the Niners win this game, oh, Grant, the Niners still have a lot of, do they still play Seattle twice or once? No. Uh, well, the Niners still got to play Seattle, uh, the Rams, Rams, the Ravens, yeah. and the Saints. So, yeah, they got a lot of – so they could – I can still see them getting, you know, two, three more losses potentially after that. But if the Packers get this one, puts them right up to first, and that's with seeing how, how many of those other teams – play each other's granted the vikings are also still on our heels that have been nice if denver would have been able to help us out a little bit but but yeah, yeah still very solid positioning if they can snag this game on the road yep i mean packers are gonna you know i mean right now the packers really should end up somewhere between 14 and 2 and i would think 13 and well 12 and 4 i mean 12 and 4 yep. worse with the schedule they have Mm-hmm. I mean, you, they should not lose the Giants, Redskins, Bears, or Lions. Nope. So. No, especially if Stafford's still out. So, so yeah, it really comes down to this in the Niners game. So, yeah, so huge. You want that? I mean, we want that number one seed. We want teams come to Lambeau. Rogers said it. You know, this week he said, you know, we're gonna have to beat. We're gonna have to beat the Niners once. Yeah, there. In San Francisco, either way, so we might as well do it this week. So I hope Love they it. can do it. I hope they can get that cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings have their bye week this week, so they're off. But yep. once the Queens get back, they play at Seattle, Lions at home at Chargers, and then us at home, and then they host the Bears. So Yeah, I think one kind of crazy thing that someone had mentioned, I think I was listening to the – their radio or podcast where they said it's kind of crazy that as you said you would assume the Packers would hope at mo- at most of the schedule to lose two games if they only lose two games they could still be looking at playing in the wild card on the road to start the playoffs because they got the Vikings right on us in the division and all those you could have the the Niners the Vikings the Seahawks um and I feel like it I don't know if in the Saints all above us in the standings they could have like the one of the bottom wildcard position just been potentially losing two games. Not crazy. Yeah. I mean, so let's move on to the rest of the NFL. We were just going to kind of talk about a few, a few big takeaways from the past two weeks. And one of mine was the NFC playoffs. Cause you could legitimately, I mean, let's just say the standings hold as they are now, like 
you know, gr- let's say Green Bay, let's say Green Bay, San Francisco end up fourteen and two. Green Bay is the one seed. San Francisco is the two seed. Um, I mean, New Orleans could be thirteen and three as the three seed. You could legitimately have the Seahawks or Vikings be thirteen and three and be a wild card team. And the other one could be twelve and four and be a wild card team. Like that's yeah. just crazy. That's just crazy to think about. That you could you could potentially have two teams that have twelve wins that are the five and six seed. Yeah, nuts. And then you have the little old NFC East, which is going to come down to Dallas or or Philly here. Philly can get their shit together, but oh I mean, god, that was a miserable is... game. <laughs> Eagles and Patriots. Good god. The, the NFC is just, I mean, it's stacked and just more so. Than ever in years past, I think that number one seed is is so important to get. Mm-hmm. Nope, totally agree. Totally agree. So that was your one your one thing, Ryan. Yeah, that was kind of the one the one big thing I had. I mean, if we want to, I guess switch over to the other side of the playoff picture, just how shitty the AFC is going to be. AFC is it's New England and Baltimore. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, everyone's New England's offense has looked terrible the last three, four weeks. You could even say. Um, I think it was actually McAfee that said on uh, ESPN they were talking about how this was like the worst Patriots office since someone said like since like two two thousand and thirteen, and he was like, "Oh, they also won the Super Bowl that year." Yeah, no, I think it was like two thousand four. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, or whatever it was. But, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what tweet you're talking about. Yeah, it was way back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Like, statistically, their offense has been terrible, but their defense has obviously been un- unbelievable so far this year. And, um, yeah, the Ravens look great against them, but when you get in that playoff, playoff picture, it just seems like New England's always just one step more either calm or prepared than the other team. So uh, I think it's going to come down to see what Lamar Jackson can do in the playoffs. Yeah, see what Baltimore is all made of. I mean, Baltimore is hoping New England slips up here at some point, but don't know if I'm mean, Patriots' schedule is is uh, going to get a lot tougher here. So is yep. the Ravens got a couple tough games left, but yep. you know, I would I would love to see the AFC go through Baltimore. Now, as a Packer fan, if I'm looking at the Super Bowl, I would not want to play Baltimore based on how our run defense is, because Lord knows how many yards Lamar Jackson would have. You'd be like goddamn Kaepernick in the playoffs all over again. Yeah, it would be. It would be bad. So yeah, that was kind of my that's kind of my one big thing of is is how the uh, mainly the NFC playoff picture is is shaping up. So mm-hmm. and then we also we also set the record for the most uh, most labeled assaults in the in I think NFL history, Ryan. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, about every news anchor, sports anchor, was calling for assault charges after the Brown Steelers game. Oh, you mean Adam? What is Adam Schefter's tweet that just said assault? Yeah, it was that. I feel like every other person was online talking about the helmet being swung. He's like, "That's the most, that's that's straight up assault." You got to file some but charges. You do that on the street, you're in jail. Yeah, so I think that I think that's all people talked about straight for two days. Just like nailed all, all other NFL news, but yeah, that was uh you see whenever you see a helmet getting swung at someone without a helmet on, it's quite a 
quite the sight. Yeah, I mean, the Browns got a big win, and that was all anybody was talking about. And can I just say how big of a bitch that Mason Rudolph looks like? I mean, <clears throat> he he looks like he's just straight from daddy's money. His parents got him everything he wanted. The only reason he learned how to throw a football and he's good at it is because he his dad paid for every fucking camp in the world for him to go to. <laughs> I mean, he he looks... He looks like he'd be zero fun to hang out with. I don't know. And he just looks weird. His head looks weird, like pre-helmet hit, post-helmet hit. It still looks weird. And what I also thought was funny is how Miles Garrett hit him. He, like, almost, like, put the helmet back on his head. Yeah. Like, he didn't hit it with, like, the top of the helmet. He hit it with, like, the opening. How funny would that have been if he just fucking swung and just put the helmet back on him? That that would have been unbelievable. Yeah, I... I do not know Mason Rudolph personally and don't know his whole backstory, but he I agree. He looks like the guy who, you know, can't really back up what he's saying, but he's the one that does, like, the subtle under things that, like, starts everything, and then he's just like, oh, was it wasn't me, man. wasn't me. Back off, man. Like, I didn't do anything. That's exactly who he seems oh. like. He's that guy. Oh, 100%. And that, that's exactly what he did. I mean, listen, I understand Miles Garrett, like, tackled him late. Which the tackle wasn't vicious. He basically had no. it wrapped up. He could have let him go. He took him to the ground. But then he tries to rip off his helmet. He tried to punch him. He kicks him in the nuts. And then after Miles Garrett basically goes, All right, <laughs> I'm going to take your fucking helmet off. And he's getting pushed away by two Steelers offensive linemen. Then Mason Rudolph is the one that goes back after him and is mm-hmm. swinging at him, yelling at him. So, I mean, listen, if you're, if you're Miles Garrett, you can't just swing a helmet around like that. Like that could obviously seriously injure somebody, but I just don't understand how Mason Rudolph doesn't, did he even get disciplined by the league? No, I don't even think he, I think they finally settled. I don't even think he got suspended or fine. Maybe he got fined. Maybe I'm not sure, but yeah, miles Garrett, I think he had like four, like a 43 grand fine. And then it's an unpaid indefinite suspension. Yeah, so I mean, I just feel like Mason Rudolph should have gotten more, like more discipline than that. Because I mean, if he just doesn't go after Garrett, like none of this happens. But and then on the flip side, you know, you have a well, you can't swing at that. And it's like, well, you know, fucking both people are at fault here. Yep. And I love and I love Pouncey just turning into a brawl, just kicking okay. the shit out of Miles. Just Garrett. straight curb stomp. Uh, that I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Than oh this, yeah, but. Oh, it was almost like 15 years to the date of the Malice in the Palace. It was. It's been all. It's been all over the sports news. The recaps yeah. that. So, all right. Anything else? Should we look ahead to the other big games? Yep. I say we we look into the future, Ryan. All right. Let's put the assault. Put the assault talk behind us. Let's rub that crystal ball because we have a slew. Okay, besides the four games we're about to list off, there are some miserable, <laughs> miserable matchups this week. So let's talk about the good ones. Seahawks plus plus one at the Eagles. That is a noon game. It, I don't know why it's at noon. They replaced the Packers game yeah. with this game. This game should be at 3.30. So now there's only two late games at 3.30. 
I don't fucking understand it. I don't. Yeah, I don't get why they do that either. Anyway, I feel like the Eagles are favored for some reason still, like, based off their preseason hype. I don't see how the Seahawks are not favoring this. I like the Seahawks plus one, but I would not be surprised if this is a classic, you know, the Eagles of the past couple of years, uh, backs against the wall, and they'll probably come out and beat the Seahawks by 20. Yeah, well, I was very surprised to see that this spread was – I know it's at Philadelphia, but I was very surprised it to be only a one-point spread given how poor the – I know the Patriots' defense is, uh, is great this year, but Eagles' offense just looked pitiful out there this last week. So um, Seahawks' defense, obviously not at the same level as the, as the, as the Pats are, but – I'm I'm with you. It seems like this is a game where between uh between uh Doug Peterson just draws up a W on the sidelines and keeps him in the in the weak playoff hunt of the NFC East. Yeah, I agree with you. Um next game, another noon game, Panthers nine and a half dog dogs at the Saints. Uh the line's pretty big. But I think Vegas and everyone else has realized Kyle Allen's not very good. Uh, I see the Saints absolutely dominating this game and winning. Yep, I'm with you. Got nothing else to add. I don't know if I would bet the 9.5, but I think the Saints win pretty easily. So, mm-hmm. uh, 3.30, the game of the day, as Fox would say, or America's Game of the Week. The Dallas Cowboys... Six and a half point dogs at the Patriots based on how the Pats offense has been and how good like Dak and the Cowboys offense has been. I'm kind of surprised this is almost a touchdown. I feel like I would definitely take the Cowboys in this. Yeah, I was thinking the line. Yeah, I was thinking the spread, but I feel like similar to the Eagles with Peterson drawing up one. I think, uh, and Belichick is a defensive coach, but I feel like the Pats are going to be hearing some of this shit offense chatter and come out c- cylinders firing. And I think they're, uh, I think they're going to, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think it's actually going to be a relatively higher scoring game, like higher upper twenties, thirties. That's what I'm going yeah, with. I actually agree with you. Cause I think the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys are going to be able to score on the Pats. And I think the Cowboys defense is so bad. The Pats are going to be able to score on the Cowboys. Yeah, so I'm with you. Um, and the end Monday night has a pretty decent game. If the Rams offense decides to show up, the Ravens are three point favorites visiting Los Angeles. Um, I f- find this line. I thought the Ravens would be favored by more. Yeah, the Rams have looked fucking awful. Oh, dude, how? On non-explosive has Todd Gurley looked this year? If you look at his think, his stats are literally like in half this year of what they have been in the past. I think it's pretty much based off their offensive line. Their yeah, that's true. It's just trash. And the yeah, Jared you've Goff said that hasn't been Jared Goff hasn't been as good, but I mean their offensive line is so fucking bad they can't do anything. And people are ripping on Sean McVay, and I'm like, I don't really think it's McVay. Like, I think he's just limited as what he can do because he doesn't have an offense line. And, you know, Robert Woods is out. Brandon Cooks is out. 
obviously mm-hmm. Todd Gurley isn't what he used to be, but it's like his hands are kind of almost tied. So yeah, I mean, everyone says I mean, once you start paying all these, you know, skill players, you know, they big money in the quarterback, running back, and then you know they paid quite a few people on from the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, that it's the offensive line that takes a there's one side of the lines that ends up taking the taking the hit, and that's where they're struggling yeah. so far this year. But the Rams, I mean, they really need this game. Having talked about the NFC playoff picture, I mean, they're the one, they're the one team that can really ruin it for uh, the Niners or the Seahawks and kind of sneak in. But if they if they lose mm-hmm. this game, they're pretty much they're pretty much donezo. So, having yep. said that, Jake. All right, you got your ears open. I'm going to ask you a question. I got them open. Those, take away those four games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read you off the all the other matchups on Sunday, and you got to right. tell me if you're forced to watch one, which one would you watch? All right. Oh God! All right, ears are open, eyes are closed. I'm focused. <laughs> so we got the Bucks at the Falcons, the Broncos at the Bills, Giants at Bears, Steelers at Bengals, Dolphins at Browns, uh, Raiders at Jets, Lions at Redskins. Jags at Titans. Which one are you watching? Holy shit. <laughs> oh, God. Who did the Steelers play? The Steelers are at the Bengals. Oh, God, the Bengals. I don't know why you want to watch the fucking Steelers. That would, that game might be at the bottom of my list. No, yeah. No, I just couldn't. I didn't know if you said... For some reason, I thought you said Browns. So I was like, oh, didn't they just play them? Uh, no, the... Ooh. The Browns are hosting the Dolphins. Maybe the, probably the Bronco-Bills game. I think that's what I would pick. Because the Broncos are that team that have a terrible record, but they've actually been in a, quite a, a ton of close games. They just can't get any any Ws in, in the close game at the end of the fourth. Yeah, and the Bills are literally the only team above five hundred that I just wrote that I just rambled off. Um, yep. I would actually go with the Raiders at the Jets. Ooh. I think that actually has potential to be a pretty interesting game. So there you go. That is the one I'm keeping my eyes on. That is it for the NFL. We are moving on college football. So we'll start with, we'll start with Michigan. Our boys, Jake, Michigan, they're so fucking back. They are a Ronnie Bell drop touchdown pass away from being in the college football playoff hunt. They have fucking found their offense. Don Brown has finally changed his defense. They're not getting beat by just crossing routes all day that any high school quarterback could hit. Michigan State sucks. I know. But they kicked the living fucking shit out of them. And I am... All in on Michigan beating Ohio State this year. Hey, I told we, I told my I told myself I won't get excited, but I am excited. And Michigan, we I think when we were texting each other, I don't know, maybe it was last week, but you can make a good argument that Michigan right now is the second best team in the Big Ten. Oh, hundred uh, percent. I think I te- yeah I texted you that. I said they're for sure, for sure the be- the um, second best team in the Big Ten. So I I didn't see much of the game. I had a I had an event I was at. Uh, I watched the highlights though. It looked like 
just the second half that just blew Michigan State's doors off. So uh, Michigan this week, they play at Indiana 2.30 on ESPN, which is a sneaky game. Indiana went to Penn State last weekend, could have won. And from yeah. what I hear, some people said they should have won. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who don't keep track of uh, Michigan, Indiana, Indiana gives Michigan problems all the fucking time. Um, so this is a big game. Michigan could easily lose this game, and like it wouldn't be, it would be considered like a bad loss. I don't think. Um, no, I think Michigan right now. Last time I checked, was favored by like eight and a half. But um, if Michigan goes in there and kicks the shit out of Indiana, I'm, I'm gonna be so high for them to beat Ohio State. So, yeah, we both we both picked them in preseason to be. Well, we both picked them to win the Big Ten. And I think they're finally living up. Their offense is finally looking like that explosive offense we thought we were going to see with the with the new coordinator, and their defense has looked much better as of late as it did in the beginning of the year. Uh, it seems like they actually learned what a few gaps are on the defensive line, Ryan. Linebackers filling it. That helps out on defense. They uh, did. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I think I'm still going to pick Ohio State over them, but I think it's going to be a very good football game where – if you look back four weeks ago, what were you shooting for uh, a two-touchdown score game in the fourth quarter? Fucking a three-touchdown score game. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, Michigan got beat by like 30 last year. So Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but yeah. That. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about Michigan. Just can't, don't overlook Indiana. Yep. So, and they had a – two weeks ago, they were on a bye – so they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't play anybody. Let's move to your boys, the badges. Past yep. two weeks. Got two big wins, one against Iowa, which uh I declared was the de facto Big Ten West Championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they won last week at Nebraska. So what do you think about your badgers there, Jake? Yep. I gotta say with a road trip I was all set Wisconsin. So if I said I was worth three points, I, that means I got us the football win because it ended up being a very close game. Uh wins swept a swept the four. Badger basketball also won that Friday. I was there as well, Ryan. But uh yeah. Typical Wisconsin, Iowa, low twenties football game. Even at the game, I, when I looked at the stats after the game was over, I couldn't even believe Jonathan Taylor had over 200 yards. It did not seem that way. It's because it was all like 12 to 18 yard runs. He didn't have like that big 43 yard run, or didn't you know didn't have any touchdowns. But in the second half, it was, all of a sudden I was like, "Hey, we're just gonna let Nate Stanley just throw bullets down the field," and that's when they they started marching and making a game. And seeing it live in person, it was like. Watching Jack Cohen throw the football versus Nate Stanley throw the football is like they were living on different planets. <laughs> Jack Cohen not looked too good, huh? No, it looked back. brought me back. I still think he's hurt, but brought me back to Noodle Arm. Hornybrook lofted him out there. And Stanley would be on the opposite hash, just housing flat throws all the way across the football field. And it was just like, whoo, two fast balls everywhere. So I was very impressed with his arm talent, I think. I don't know who he'll get drafted by and how he'll do in the NFL because I think Iowa's offense line has been terrible this year. Uh, they've really struggled to get explosive way, uh, plays with the weapons they have this year. Uh, but I think he is someone that will be interesting to see with his arm talents if he can make anything happen 
in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he was he's definitely been talked about as an NFL prospect, so this mm-hmm. time in Iowa ain't going to do him any favors, but he'll probably yep. get drafted in fifth round or later. Yep, for sure. But then uh, going to the Nebraska game, Wisconsin wins by a decent amount, but I don't know if you watched much of that game, Ryan, but it seemed like a game that even though even when Wisconsin would go up by two scores, it just didn't really seem like they had it 100% put away. Where defense gave up like seemed like a thousand rushing yards in the first half. They Nebraska just ran a stretch play to the right or left and would get like 25 yards rushing every play. And it seemed like as soon as we got a two two touchdown or two score lead, Nebraska would score the next four plays. So defense going to need to shore some things up, uh, hopefully against Purdue this week, coming up forward, and then got the big matchup for all the marbles most likely at TCS Stadium with the Gophers. Well, yeah, let's let's look ahead to this next week. Um, it should be for all the marbles because Wisconsin is hosting Purdue, who is fucking trash. <laughs> the Gophers are playing at Northwestern, who I don't. What's worse than trash? Yeah, I mean they're hey they they played uh, UMass finally put up more than two points in a game. So how they offense, dude? I. Northwestern, their offense is so, so bad. I mean, here are their point totals on the year. 7, 30, 10, 15, 10, 3, 0, 3, 22. They lost the fucking Purdue scoring 22 points. And then they were 39-point favorites. Yeah, thirty-nine point favorites against UMass. That's how bad UMass is, <laughs> and they fucking pushed. They beat them forty-five to six. I don't know if you saw. They were down three to nothing, and UMass was kicking a field goal, and they had to block the field goal and run it back to get like their offense going. Otherwise, it was like the second quarter, and they were going to be down six to nothing against UMass. Oh my god, they're so bad. So if Minnesota. Loses to Northwestern Minnesota should just drop out of the top twenty-five. Yep. So. Yeah, I think a lot of parallels between uh, Wisconsin and Michigan this this week, and maybe even Minnesota. I guess for that fact is you know all of them got the big game coming up the next week. They got to focus on the opponent ahead at, between Purdue, Indiana, and Northwestern. Indiana by far the the best team out of those three. So I think Michigan will have the most potential handful, but all three teams got to take care of business. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Indiana is definitely the definitely the toughest the toughest opponent. I mean, if Indiana beats Michigan, Indiana is going to win nine regular season games because mm-hmm. they play at Purdue next week. So in Indiana, they're they're tough, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we'll get more into uh, the uh, Wisconsin Minnesota game next week. Um, talking this week, I guess there's not too many big games this week no. because the SEC has their annual fucking bye week. That is so stupid. It's like every you look at Bama's schedule, and they, yes, they play some big games, but it seems like they always have this like FCS school before they play some big time opponent or some no name or just some weak part of the conference that they play before every big game they play. Uh, it's I mean, that's how the 
SEC schedules or stuff. I mean, and then ironically, as we're bashing the SEC, like one of the bigger games this week is Texas A&M at Georgia. But yeah, that's, I, don't, that's I, I don't anticipate Texas A&M beating Georgia. But no, like listen, listen to these teams. This is these are the teams that the SEC is playing this week: Western Carolina, Samford, UT Martin, ETSU. LSU is playing Arkansas. Arkansas might as well be an, an FCS team. Um, Abilene Christian, and then you have Tennessee at Missouri, who is – those two teams have taken two way different slides. Tennessee was left for dead earlier this year. Missouri – I might have picked Missouri to get second in the SEC East, I think. You might have even picked him to win it. I think – no, I think I picked him to get second. Okay. I, I picked Georgia. But, we'll have to run back to tape. Yeah. Let's not, because I don't want to think I picked Missouri to win. Uh, Missouri's been fucking awful. So, <laughs> I mean, there's two legitimate games in the SEC this week, and then Arkansas, who Arkansas fired their coach. Uh, they probably still don't have a special teams coach, though. So No. That's good for them. Um, the other big game... Obviously in the Big Ten, and of course it's at fucking noon because Fox has the rights to it, so they got to do their big noon kickoff. Number eight, Penn State, eighteen and a half point dogs at Ohio State. That is nuts. I think it's pretty. I think that's pretty spot on, though. To be honest, I do too. I have talked how I think Penn State is kind of a fraud. I think they. I think this game is maybe. I think it's going to be the kind of like the Wisconsin game that Ohio State had. Maybe it's a uh, Ohio State's up by seven to ten at half, and then second half they just blow the doors off of them. Yep. No, yeah, I think the few times I've watched a full like Penn State game, their secondary looks like they're running crisscross coverage routes in the back. They Their safeties and cornerbacks are nowhere near tackling someone. I think I agree with you. It's going to maybe be like the Wisconsin game where it takes Ohio State a little bit longer to get some of explosive plays going down the field, but I think Dobbins and the Buckeyes are going to be around the wild in the second half. Yep. Yep, I'm completely with you. I think Ohio State, Ohio State rolls. Yep. I think they prove they prove their number two ranking. Yeah. And speaking of the rankings, you do you have any beefs, any comments about the top twenty five rankings this week? No, I don't. I guess my one thing is though, Big Ten in the top seventeen have five teams, right? I'm correct, five teams. But yep. if Ohio State loses, do they even get one team? Yeah. Uh, I think if Ohio State, if Ohio State or this might hurt hurt you to hear this, Jake. If Ohio State or well, Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota, if they win the Big Ten with one loss, I think they're going to be in. They're going to be in. Yes, I mean it. Obviously, depends on what happens, but let's say you have an undefeated LSU, undefeated Clemson. You have a you'd have a two loss Georgia. You would have a one loss Alabama. You would have your one loss Oregon or Utah, who'd probably get in. And then I think you you'd put in the Big Ten winner over 
um, Oklahoma or Baylor, whoever wins the Big 12. Yeah. So I didn't even realize. So this is the de- Penn State, Ohio State. This is de facto East Championship. Uh, well, in a way, yes. I mean, if Penn State wins, I mean, if Penn State, let's say Penn no, State. The, no, the winner of this game is automatically in, are they not? I guess Penn State could lose next week, but. Well, no, if, if yeah, Penn State could lose next week, correct. But that, who they yeah. play? Don't they play Rutgers? So yeah, yeah, they you're might. Right. You're right. You're right. This is the de facto uh, Big mm-hmm. Ten East. Yeah, this is for the Big Ten East. So, Big Ten, yeah, Big Ten East, that's right. Um, yeah, but I there think you go. one loss Big Ten champ gets in over one loss Big 12 champ, one loss Alabama. Yeah, especially with and, two out. Yeah. I mean, the only caveat there is let's say Georgia beats LSU. Mm-hmm. A very close game, the SEC championship game. Then I could see them keeping LSU and Georgia in. But, yeah, I mean, hey, that's the that is like the kind of like inherent SEC bias that yep. is in these rankings because, I mean, you have Georgia's number four at nine and one, Alabama's number five at nine and one, and I don't really know. I don't know. College football is so weird because it's like, oh well, who has Alabama beaten? But then you go down to like Oregon, it's like, oh, who have they beaten? Who has Utah beaten? Who's Penn State beaten? Who's Oklahoma beaten? It's like all of a sudden you go through these teams, and you're like. Nobody's beat anybody. Do we have to talk about just real briefly that Oklahoma Baylor game? Oh yeah, that was fucking nuts. I was at the bar, looked at my phone, I'm like, oh my god, Baylor's <laughs> kicking the shit out of them. And then next time I'm at a different bar, two hours later, I'm like, holy shit, Oklahoma won. What happened? It was it was like a flashback of me watching the Badgers and versus Penn State second half of the Big Ten championship game where the Badgers went up by like three scores going to halftime and then it was just like raining touchdowns in the secondary. I don't know. Jalen Hurts played pretty well. Todd Baylor was kind of the classic school that maybe a lot better than people thought this year and then played a little tight in the second half um, on both sides, both sides of the ball. But hey, got to give. Anytime there's a comeback that big, got to give props, obviously, to Oklahoma. Yeah, and I mean, you got to give big props to their, uh, their defense, too. I mean, yeah. you give up, what, 34 points in the 31 points in the first half, and then mm-hmm. you give up zero in the second. So, I mean, props to them for hanging out. But they're, those two teams are definitely going to meet in the um, – uh, Big 12 championship game. Yep. So we'll we'll see what happens in that one. Um, I really, I mean, I think Baylor's done. I mean, like the committee does. I mean, they're at 14 and they have one mm-hmm. loss. Like I don't, I don't understand Michigan, Wisconsin, Florida all above them. Yeah. Or minute. I mean, I think Minnesota should be higher too. But I mean, like Baylor's had a tougher schedule than Minnesota. But I don't know. I was trying to find the stat I found today because I picked Iowa State to win the Big Ten to win the Big Twelve, I think. Yes, you did. And it was some crazy stat that like Iowa State is their Okay. Iowa State, their losses are two. Number twenty Iowa, number thirteen Baylor, 
Oklahoma State, number 10, Oklahoma. They've lost those four games, Jake, by eight points. Total? Total. Oh, God, that is rough. I, didn't, so I knew they were in a lot of close games. I didn't realize it was that close. So they are that close to being 9-0, and and I think Baylor is like – somebody threw out the stat that Baylor is like uh, – like it's like the opposite way. Like if Baylor had like – like eleven points swing differently, like Baylor would be like a like a four or five win team right now. Like that's the close games they've played. So it's like it's just it's just football. It's just luck. And people I don't know. The one thing about the college football playoff rankings I feel like is people just don't they don't like like everything's just so black and white. Like it can't they don't like treat it as a sport and there's like sometimes, hey, you know what? Like Guess what? Oregon lost to Auburn. Like, or they didn't play their best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in every other sport, like it's all right if you don't play your best and you lose, you still have a chance to win a championship. But like college football, the way it's set up now, at least, like you don't. So it's like all these losses, and it's like that's like you can't just write a team off because they have one bad game. Like Baylor is a good example. Yep. I mean, Baylor is getting lucky, and they're nine and one. In Iowa State, they're. There are probably a lot of people that would probably say Iowa State's a better team than Baylor, but I am ranting right now, and I will <laughs> That's right. Hey, just like you said, that's why it should be called the Invitational. Right, Ryan? Yes. Yes, it is an Invitational. But, so. but yeah, but yeah. hey, if Penn State, I was just looking at something, though, Ryan. It's too bad. If Penn State would have played anyone besides goddamn Rutgers next, uh, next week, maybe you could say if Penn State beats Ohio State and then loses the next week, to like Michigan State or something, then opens it up for your old Wolverines. I mean, Jake, if if Michigan beats Indiana and then they beat Ohio State, that Ronnie Bell drop touchdown pass in the end zone <laughs> is gonna like come back to haunt all Michigan fans and Ronnie Bell like because it's immediately what you're gonna go back to. You're not going to go back to how bad they played in the first half. You're not going to go back to how bad they played against Wisconsin. You're going to be like, if he would have fucking caught that ball, there's like 0% chance we would have lost in overtime because we were dominating Penn State. We could be in the college football playoffs. So I don't even want to think about it. Because they're not All right. even if they even if they do that, like they won't even. I don't even think they'd get to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that's hard to say. I think you have to be the next highest rank. Well, maybe they would, because Penn State would have two losses, and then Minnesota would have lost to Ohio State. So maybe yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but I just don't want to think about it, Jake. Fair enough. So maybe uh, transitioning from that, Ryan, down to our segment section. I know I don't have it typed in that typed in there, but stemming from that question, Rutgers obviously played Ohio State last week, got the shit kicked out of them. So, but they did put up a respectable twenty-one points against Ohio State. So I'll give them props for that. If in that scenario that I laid out, if somehow for the love of God that scenario plays out, that plays out, and Rutgers beats Penn State, how long of a of a grace period do you give them that they're allowed to stay in the Big Ten, Ryan? I would sign them to a one-year contract. Oh, just only still just a one year. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Hey, Jake, they could earn their one year contract this week because they host Michigan State. 
don't know if you looked at Michigan State lately, but they're fucking four and six. Yeah, they're if Rutgers t- beats Michigan State. Michigan State's not going to a bowl game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know when Dan Antonio gets on the hot seat at all. Um, I mean, I think he's besides the off-field stuff, still a pretty well-respected coach. But they've, if you look at the last three, what's it been? The last three, four years they've had downish years. Yeah, they haven't. They have not been very good. So, I mean, Michigan State. Hey, two weeks ago, Michigan State. Lost to Illinois. They had a twenty-eight to three lead, I believe. Hey, That's Illinois has not. I don't think they've lost since they beat Wisconsin. Ryan. No, they haven't. They're on like a five-game winning streak. Yeah, just like I said, six. we Wisconsin has lost lost to like the best team in America since that day, Ryan. Hey, Illinois almost came back and beat Michigan that uh, the week before they beat Wisconsin. So, yep. I don't know. Big day, but yes, uh, you were going to ask, should Rutgers get kicked out of the Big Ten? Yes. The answer yes. is yes. yes. Yes, they should. But but, but they're going to have they have a few, uh, few a couple opportunities to put on the resume. Yes. It shows some potential. There you go. 100%. They keep right. Michigan State from going to a bowl. One-year contract. They beat Penn State. They get another year. They have the potential to get a two-year contract extension from me. All right, I think I think that's all they can ask for right now. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, uh, other segments you want to talk some Badger basketball? I see. Oh yes. Well, I'll let you go. Do you have any just general college basketball talk, Ryan? I mean, uh, I watched Michigan. There you go. They look a little. They play fast. Um, they have zero people who I think are going to scare anyone offensively. John Teske is still a huge man. Um, <laughs> Love that guy. There's always those people in college basketball that, um, like, people complain about, like, how long, like, is this guy's, like, his sixth senior year or whatever like that? Uh, I believe that's going to be Xavier Simpson this year for Michigan. Oh, 100%. People are going to be like, wait, he's still on the team? Yes. Is he finally a senior this year? Is he just a junior? I think he's a senior. All right. Don't don't quote me on that. So, um, or other than that, I haven't watched, like, any college basketball. Um, probably will this weekend, like, next week, because we got all the tournaments going on. Oh, yeah, baby. So, I believe this- I saw a tweet today that said from today until, like, December 3rd or something like that, there's... Uh, day college basketball games every day. So. Love it. I feel like this is like also one of those stretches that's just like one of the best stretches in sports because you have Thanksgiving coming up a week to try and get a few extra days off and then between football and basketball you know for college football you're going to get some late season matchups that are going to be awesome to watch and then mm-hmm. NFL you hope, to, you hope the schedule lines up nicely to get a few nice matchups and just a glorious time to stuff yourself, drink some beer, and stare at the tube for about eight hours a day. Can't wait. Low-key, I love the uh, next Friday. I love the college football games that are on Friday. Uh, Ooh. Friday after Thanksgiving. Those are those. There's always some good ones there. So. Yep. Got to spread them out. Love it. But, yes, Badger basketball had three nice bounce-back wins. Ryan, watching them beat Marquette on Sunday, noon game. I was so jacked up. 
We had the ball zipping around. In the second half, we were knocking down three-point shots. Watching five guys be on the floor at the same time that can all shoot the ball is just so much easier on my eyeballs. I love it. <laughs> defensive ed- defensive effort was also great. Uh, I don't think Har- Howard from Marquette is going to go 0-4 in the second half many other times this year, so obviously that helps. But I hate Marquette as a basketball just from a rival standpoint, so that got me real pumped up on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I'm glad people knew that game was going on. Because I yeah. don't think anybody did. No, well, all of a sudden it was like, it's typically like the beginning of December is when they play, like the second week in December. It's always like the same weekend as the Big Ten Championship games. I think everyone was like, wait, what? This yeah. game is like already? And it's noon on a Sunday? Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, usually that's like like post-Super Bowl. Like, Big Ten will have a big like CBS game at noon or 2.30 mm-hmm. on golf or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely weird from a scheduling standpoint, but but yeah. And then the other thing, the last latest Badger news for the day, besides they got the win over Green Bay tonight, uh, eighteen points. I think it was eighty-eight seventy. But NCAA still will not will refuse to remove their head out of their ass, and Micah Potter still was finally ruled ineligible to play until the second semester starts. Done. So even though he did everything asked for as a student athlete, he is forced to sit out for a year and a half when everyone else just says, not saying there aren't legitimate cases out there, but everyone else just throws some mental health BS in there and be like, oh, I can't be in this college environment anymore. I need to whatever. So just because the Badgers just play it by the books, we get screwed over again, Ryan. Well, I mean, at least he doesn't have to pay a fine to a charity with that job that he has. Yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty ridiculous. Although, I have a feeling <clears throat> that there's some known, like, with what he was, like, I can't remember what he was all ineligible for, if it, what it had to do. I think it was, like, with the high school coach. But I'm guessing they figured out he also had some, like, illegal, like, obtained some money in not the appropriate ways. So I'm guessing that's where that amount stems from. That is my guess. But not 100%. Well, yeah, I just assumed it was like they found out like the value of money he got. And basically it's like, all right, you need to pay this money back, but you're going to pay it to a charity because we're the NCAA. And five years ago, we would have made you just pay us. But now we're trying to look good. So send it to a charity. But I still just the, the look of that, like, hey. Uh, you can't make money while you play college sports, but you need to pay eleven grand to a yeah. charity. What like an absurd! Kid. What an absurd dollar amount too. Eleven and a half thousand dollars. Like, who the hell came up with that amount? Well, yeah, it's like what college kid has eleven and a half grand just laying around? Yeah, that's why I'm like, guessing it had to stem from. I don't know, something that he obtained illegally and they're just not releasing it because like you were saying in the past, he would maybe get suspended for the whole year or whatever. But but yeah, that very, very obscure to me. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you're you're still pissed off about your Badger guy. So Yeah. Oh, and I just got a, uh update on my phone. Gardo apparently went off on it in his post 
press conference, so I'm pretty jacked up to listen to that. <laughs> All right, well, we'll save that for next week. There you go. All right, let's move on. Last segment. Miserable bitch of the week. Uh, I think I'm going to do one that's been pretty universally, um, well, someone who's been pretty universally uh, criticized, especially after last week and in the past. So we're we're back on the SEC on CBS, Jake. Ooh. If you saw Auburn, the Auburn-Georgia game, there mm-hmm. was a sideline reporter who got a good old-fashioned knee to the face. Oh, I did and, not see this, actually. Really? No. Okay. I so, somehow missed this. Interesting. Well, you're going to learn something here then. So, All right. Basically, Georgia has the ball in the red zone, throw a little swing pass, running back gets pushed out of bounds while he's running out. Obviously, they have those people, you know, really close to the sidelines doing their jobs. And this uh, girl who takes pictures for Georgia Athletics got a knee to the face, and she just, like, dropped just immediately. And, like, everyone that was around her, you know, calling over for help. And she was down for a long time. And Brad Nessler, the play-by-play guy for CBS, the SEC games, knew right away. Like, before they even made the replay, he was like, okay, someone's down. Like, this isn't good. And Gary fucking Danielson (laughs) is just this happy Southern guy. He has... Jake, he has no fucking idea what is going on. Zero idea. At first, he thought an Auburn guy was down. Then he thought a Georgia guy was down. And then he's like, oh, oh like, like they're good. They're good. And he's like, oh, and he's talking like Auburn subbing guys. And he's like, oh, Auburn's getting their big guys back in. <laughs> and they're showing the replay. And he's still not looking at the chick that's getting fucking smoked. He's looking at the like the players and he's laughing and he's like, Oh, I don't see any guys hurt. Like, oh, they're all good. And it it literally like Brad Nessler is like, no, 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 like there there's there's a there's a person down. And Gary Danielson again is like, Oh, I I don't see any guys down. And he's like, Brad Nessler, no, 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 like there's a girl down, sideline girl. And it literally took Gary Danielson like ten fucking minutes to realize what was going on. Oh God. The audio of it is just ridiculous. I'm going to have to look up this video. He's making jokes and like laughing. Well, they keep showing this replay and this girl is just down and like nobody, like it was a pretty bad hit. Like nobody knew if she was even conscious or not. Oh, she just was rebating on the ground. She, she would literally just drop like a sack of potatoes and was just out. Oh God. Yeah, like it was, it was, it was bad. And Gary O'Danielson is just, and now everyone's fucking destroying him. Like, deservedly so. And people hated him before, and they hate him more now. And like, he just needs to be gone. So, Gary Danielson, my miserable bitch of the week, he fucking sucks. I like it. Mine's maybe a little bit uh, weak and probably going to come off a little bit petty, but screw it. I'm doing it anyways, Ryan. My miserable bitch of the week. My miserable bitch. My miserable bitch of the week is PJ Flack for a couple reasons, Ryan. <laughs> Number one, seeing that goddamn shot of him standing on the sidelines looking sad when Iowa was going to win the football game. It was like him through his dumb sunglasses just seeing all of his ESPN interview invitations just getting deleted out of his inbox. Gone. 
And then, did you see him run on the field and get that penalty? No, because uh, I was drunk at that time. Oh, yeah, fair enough. But anyways, it didn't, like, cost them the game because I guess Iowa would have got the ball anyways. But Minnesota's field goal kicker was brutal. I think, yeah, I missed an extra or barely made an extra point during the game. And so they elected to go for it on fourth, and it was a pass thrown behind the receiver. The receiver, the safety, like, wasn't sure if he, like, caught the ball or was about to catch the ball, so he hit it after the play, so it was a personal foul, and the player was laying on the ground, but it wasn't like he was knocked out or anything, like he got up, and P.J. Fleck went sprinting all the way onto the field. Like, in the middle of the field, the refs like, what the hell, so threw a flag on P.J. Fleck for, like, running out, like, because it was like they hadn't thrown the flag right away on the guy, so it ended up being offsetting, like, or, like, one day... I guess they gave one than the other personal foul penalties, one on the guy and one on P.J. Flack for just sprinting out to the middle of the field. I guess they said it was going to be Iowa's ball anyways, but I don't know how it wasn't, like, would have been Minnesota's ball. I didn't get the procedure of it. But it was just fantastic. Just a classic P.J. Flack show. It's got to be the sprint out there and be the first one out there to supposedly back his players. So there you go, Ryan. P.J. Flack... 15-yard penalty, no more ESPN interviews, my miserable bitch of the week. I love how much you fucking hate him. Dude, he's, he, I, I don't even hate the Gophers, I just hate him. Just grinds my it. gears. Just grinds my gears, Ryan. You, your gears are going to be really grinded next week when, you know, game day is going to come to Minnesota, right? Yeah, because it's gonna it's three o'clock, so they could. Cause they, I know they did it. I'm pretty sure they've done it once before for the Michigan and Ohio State game. But like you always say, it's just with those new uh, 11 a.m. kickoffs, it's just so hard from a production standpoint for them. Yeah, I mean, even the Michigan Ohio State game is obviously on Fox, but yeah. I mean, other than that, they don't. I mean, game day, you have Michigan Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you have Auburn, Alabama, but I don't see why you would go to that game at all. No. And there's really, there's no huge, I mean, they could go to Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see that one either. And there's no other like huge, there's just no other huge matchups. I mean, no. those are going to be the three ranked games that week, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn. Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Minnesota. I think they're gonna go to Minnesota. He's gonna get his wish. And then oh, PJ Fleck is gonna be your miserable bitch of the week that week too. Tickets or prices are looking pretty high right now, Ryan, but I might have to be on there to be able to storm that field. Oh steal the axe. Yep. Well you get the axe back, so. Alright. Okay. That's it. We're done. That's two and touch. Episode nine. Like, subscribe, review, share if you enjoy the talk, the banter between me and Jake. Jake, anything, last thing you want to say? Nope. I just want to say hopefully our teams. Well, Packers, massive matchup this week, but for college football, everyone takes you're, uh, you're, you're You're breaking up a little bit. I'm there. breaking say up. Say that again. Oh, God. Yeah. Say Packers. Oh, oh can you hear me now? Yep, we can hear you now. All right, beautiful. Packers, big matchup this week. Let's get that one done. And then college football, hopefully everyone takes care of business so we get the big, nice, juicy matchups. 
going into our Thanksgiving weekend? You know what? I just hope everyone has fun. Besides Ohio State and Penn State, I hope they all hurt each other. All righty then. Happy holiday wishes from yours truly, Ryan Rometty. Yes, to Ohio State and Penn State. And fuck Gary Danielson. (laughs) Michigan trailing by four. Hitting. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Manningham! Michigan win! Two to go. Trip to the Sweet 16. Katie's got it. Rises up. The shot. And it's good! It's good! Wisconsin has won it! Hasselback maybe changing the play of the line. Looks left and right. Takes the snap. Short drop. Quick throw. Left side. Yes! Intercepted. The right side. Going down the right side. Into the end zone. It is Al Harris. Touchdown. Dagger. Al Harris. 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown. Green Bay Packers. 21. And he puts it up. Edwards for the time. Touchdown. He goes up. He's got it.